Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. In this episode, I want to talk about how important it is to encourage your child and to guide your child whenever possible to see themselves as a student or a learner in life rather than a victim. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week. And we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So being a student in life really empowers all of us, not just our kids. So one of the important things about being a parent is children learn by watching. We are, and we are always teaching. So they really learn by gauging their responses to the world based on ours. So they're watching us all the time to see how we're responding in life. So part of this is to learn how to, how to adopt this yourself as a philosophy in life so that you're naturally doing it for your kids so that they sort of learn it intuitively by watching. You can certainly have conversations about things as well. And we'll, I'll talk about in this episode how to do that in a way that still feels very loving and very validating. Um, but let's talk about a few things um, related to this idea of, of moving through life as a student. Now, I want to say, obviously, if children are experiencing something really traumatic, something really horrible, th this is not the conversation that, that you would have. That There's a whole other you know, series of things that you would do and treatment and help and support. This is really for normal, everyday moments where kids, you know, blame others and, you know, feel like this always happens to me and it's terrible. And they sort of walk through this life um, with the idea that, you know, nothing ever goes their way and everything goes wrong for them. So really keep in mind that we're having a, this conversation based on kind of normal everyday events. It's important to understand that being a student in life is what gives kids power. And I don't mean like power in like an evil, like muhaha, take over the world kind of power. I mean, where they feel confident and centered and integrated and not afraid of what's coming at them. They're going to feel internally and intrinsically like they have some tools to handle life. And that's really um, emotional resilience and emotional literacy and emotional organization. It's also important to help kids understand that you can't control conditions in your life, really. I mean, a little bit you can, but for the most part, you can't really control what life throws at you. What you can always control, though, is your response to those conditions. And that's where you always have power. And when you start to learn and trust yourself and your own ability kind of toggle between what things life throws at you, um, that gives you such confidence to be able to approach life and take risks and take, um, take on challenges. And really like, you know, anything from sort of being more confident in yourself, but also, you know, a leadership role. This is very, very important for helping your child learn how to be a leader, a strong, um, consistent, um, empathic leader. So in order to talk about this, I think it's important to understand the difference between intrinsic motivation um, and external motivation. So intrinsic motivation really refers to the act of doing something that does not have any external reward. So you're doing it because you're interested in it, or you're doing it because you love it, 
there's not really an incentive or any pressures or deadlines. You're really just doing something for the pure desire uh, to enjoy the behavior itself. And then there's extrinsic motivation. So this is doing something primarily to avoid punishment or to collect rewards. Um, you may not be doing it because you enjoy it or find it satisfying, but there's something else that you're going to achieve that may be more unpleasant. Um, and you're trying to balance that. Now, it's important to say that life is full of both of these kinds of motivations. You'll see it all the time in life. Um, and one is not better or worse. It's just situation dependent, really. But I think in order to help children to foster this idea that they're students in life and that they're learners in life, you really want to be emphasizing moments when and how important intrinsic motivation can actually be. Um, tuning into that, that sort of internal sense that all is well because they're doing an activity that they love. And we have to be really careful not to over reward, not to make such a big deal out of um, the results of something and pay more attention to the joy of something. Uh, Carol Dweck talks about this in her book, Mindset. She's also got a fantastic uh, TED talk on this, but really the idea that it's not so much about the outcome, it's about um, the effort that you're putting in or how much you're actually appreciating or enjoying something. Or if you don't enjoy the actual practice of it, how good it actually feels to be getting better at something. Um, and I think that's a really important thing that really needs to be integrated, I think, on a, on a daily basis with your kids. And also things that you should be um, adapting to your own uh, learning and your own growth and your own ability. We tend to be very hard on ourselves and remember uh, that children are always watching. So when we say things like, I can't believe this and I'm so dumb and that was so stupid of me and I can't believe I did that, your kids are watching. They're watching how you feel about yourself. You're modeling that type of um, harshness and that sort of inner uh, heckling and you'll hear your kids start to do that to themselves. So even out loud, speaking in ways that are like, well, that was hard and it's frustrating because I thought I'd be better at that, but you know what? It was a little better than it was yesterday. And I'm going to, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that. Cause that's, that's pretty good. And don't say it in this sort of exaggerated voice so that you look at me doing it. Like, don't do that. Just do it really naturally and, and really in a, in a very easygoing way. So your kids kind of hear it and go, Oh, maybe I should do that with myself. So that's actually really, really important. Um, and you want to be having conversations about you know, what fosters their curiosity. And when they do something and they complete something, it's asking them questions about what, so what did that feel like? What did you like the best about that? Tell me about that moment where this happened. Like get them to really think about and tune in intuitively to the activity that they find themselves in. So with all that said, how do you help your child not to be a victim? So the first part that's so important to remind everyone is you never just launch into a conversation about being a student and a learner in any kind of life circumstance without mirroring and connecting first. So let's use an example. Let's say, I don't know, your child gets left out of something at, at recess. I'll, I'll use teen examples in a moment, but let's say your younger child, you know, just didn't get involved or didn't get invited to something and you have a vague sense that you know maybe they're a little pushy or they might be a little bit bossy or they didn't um 
you know, take enough initiative and, and involve themselves in the situation. But if you start from that place, your child is instantly going to feel like you don't understand them. You don't care about them. You're invalidating them. You always think it's my fault. You're always blaming me. So step one is always, always mirror first. So always use the calm technique. Go back to the first three episodes where I really break it down. And let's just assume you've done that already. You've had a really deep connected conversation about how your child felt when something happened, when they were left out, when whatever happened. So that's already been done. And now you're moving into the state where you're really going to help your child see themselves as a learner instead of as a victim. So here you can say, after you've mirrored and connected, you can say, okay, so we've really worked through the part that felt bad and really made you sad and it hurt your feelings. Um, so now let's look at where do we have some power? Now, where can we look at the situation and go, hmm, what can I learn? What's my lesson? Where's the hidden lesson in this moment for me? If your child right away goes, it's not fair, it shouldn't happen. It's too fast. It's too soon. Go back and do a little bit more mirroring or wait a couple of days or even a week and come back to reflect on and de debrief the situation. If they're ready to start listening, then you can literally say to them, you know, one of the most incredible things you can learn in life is that when anything happens to us, we can look at it as a terrible thing and a sad thing and we can feel it and we can work through it and we can kind of sit there and make a space for that in our hearts. But then we can look at it and go, hmm what can I learn here? What can I learn here that I can take with me into the future or into a similar situation so that I don't have the same thing happen to me? And it's a very fine line between blaming and empowering. So you have to be really careful and you really sort of, and every child is a little bit different. So you really have to be tuned in to make sure that they're still with you in this conversation. If they start glazing over, or saying, yeah, but, or you don't understand, you're missing it. You've got to go back. You've got to connect. You've got to mirror. So it's when they're, you invite them into the conversation to really look at the situation and think about, okay, what could I have done differently? What, what choice could, have, could I have made at what point that will help me actually figure it out? And one of the things that's so important for all of us to understand when we're thinking about this is life has a habit of teaching us the same lesson over and over and over and at you know so at first it'll nudge you and kind of bump you and then if you ignore that lesson you, that lesson is going to swing back in a different way with a different set of circumstances or a different set of people but the same lesson will continue to present itself and if you look backwards on your life with that sort of witness lens you will often see that and until you kind of figure out oh that part has to do with me, or I always make this choice when this choice might, might be a better choice. When you start to look at decisions that you can make that actually address that lesson to be learned, then the lesson is learned. And the earlier kids um, can figure this out in their lives, the better. So teenagers, now this is really hard for teenagers for many reasons. It's hard for all of us, but especially teenagers because they're very raw. The teenage brain is really, you know, set up to feel things incredibly intensely. Teenagers feel first and think later. So I would say with teens, spend much more time on the connecting part. Really do like little tests in the conversation. Like, are you ready to maybe look at this in a different way? Or do you think we could take this apart and see 
what you could put in place so this doesn't happen again. And if you get a lot of, no, it's not wasn't my fault, then, then kind of drop it and do more modeling where you're kind of showing them yourselves that you're taking life lessons uh, into account and you're adapting it into your life. If they will let you, and you have to be really careful because it's sort of a, an empathic response and empathic failure. This is true with kids too, but especially with teenagers, like you might start going in this direction in the conversation and it seems really productive and your, your teen is kind of there with you and then something will happen and they'll give them, oh, see, I knew you thought it was my fault. And the whole thing will kind of fall apart. And then you, you actually go back and you repair that part. You know what? Let's go back and talk about that. Because when I said that, that made you really upset and it made you really feel like I was blaming you there. And that is not my intention. And you know what? We'll just drop this conversation. We can pick it up later and you might actually drop it or they might actually say, no, 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 we can continue. So just kind of think about it is this um, moving between getting it right and having a moment where the light's going on and, and, and you're really having a good conversation about it. And then you're going to kind of blow it and then you got to repair that and you can get back to having a productive part of the conversation. Again, there's a little bit of a, a response and repair uh, dance that you have to do with teenagers. Um, but in this is, don't make a big deal out of this. Don't make it a whole life lesson. I'd really suggest that parents just kind of gently bring this into uh, conversations or out loud conversations. And you just sort of gently bring this into your awareness first. So before you even bring this to your child, bring it into your own life. Right. When events happen at work or you have a difficult conversation with someone, you know, connect with yourself first, empathize first, let yourself feel what you're feeling, allow yourself to kind of metabolize whatever moment you were having and then go, OK, what's my lesson? What can I learn here? What can I figure out? What can I extract from this situation that I can, can apply to a new situation or a future situation that's going to help me not end up like that again? You can also as you're sort of pulling this into your awareness in your daily life, start thinking of examples. So when you introduce this idea to your child or to your teen, you can say, look, I've been doing this for the last little while. And this, this is what I've learned. These are some of the examples that I've um, collected. And this is what happened the next time. So you can have these really lovely conversations. The other thing is sometimes conversations are little sound bites. Honestly, it's two or three sentences. Then you drop it. And then a few days later, you come back to it, or later that night, you come back to it. Um, you don't be afraid to have these conversations over time in little sound bites. You don't have to have a whole sit down, you know, a hallmark episode about it. Often your best parenting is in these little darting in and little darting out moments. And just knowing that over time, you're building something really powerful and important for your child. So thank you so much for listening. And if you would love to have more information about Connected Parenting, please go to connectedparenting.com. We've got courses. We have a whole team of therapists and parenting coaches that can help you. We have our Connected Parenting Village. We've got, I've got two books, Connected Parenting, How to Raise a Great Kid, and You're Ruining My Life, Surviving the Teenagers with Connected Parenting. We've got a whole bunch of services to help you on your parenting journey. And I will see you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.